The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. We got it all this week, viewers and listeners. We got great stories. We got great guests. We got great co-hosts. It's going to be an hour of good times to be had. Now, I know what you're all thinking. Oh, my God, I got to go watch that Republican debate because that's going to be so fun and entertaining. And I say to you, my audience that would definitely be watching the Republican debate if they weren't here. You should be checking out Break the Business instead. We're going to be bringing it with our co-host, Elisa Rockdock. Hey, Elisa. Well, hello. I didn't always, see you there. Always a pleasure to see your smiling face. I noticed that during the pre-show music, Elisa, mm. before we came on the stream, we got music that plays. W- am I mistaken or were you tambourining along with the music in your window? tambourining sir this is an egg shaker oh sorry i couldn't i couldn't see what it was from where i was yeah an egg shaker. but you you were you were percussioning yes uh yeah. to I guess get yourself warmed up for the show yeah i was um um uh practicing uh my my swing feel uh on 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 shaker it was actually really good uh good rhythmic practice i usually don't uh get the chance to play a lot of auxiliary percussion live anymore so it was nice to nice to get some practice in your your fellow Break the Business co-host, Zach Sloan, who created our pre-show music, would love very much to know that his song is a perfect practice for you to get your egg shaker on. Uh, I got to tell you a little story of what I was doing just before the show started, before we came on here. I was playing with my son, Nathan, Nathan and uh, sometimes when I'm interacting with my little one, I'm confronted with things that reveal to me my age. <laughs> and the generational gap between me and and my brood. And one of those things manifested itself. Uh, Nathan, when I was playing with Nathan, so Nathan's in the playpen, my, my little one-year-old. And I play this game with Nathan where he has this little toy telephone. And we put oh, the no. little toy telephone on the ground and I make a little ringing noise. I go... And then he knows, oh, I got to go pick up the phone. And he like crawls over to the phone and he grabs the phone. And then I take the phone and I pretend to be on the phone with somebody. And I'm talking and he's like, oh, I want to talk. I want to talk. Like he's trying to grab at it. And at some point I like go, oh, 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 you want to talk to Nathan? Oh, Nathan, it's for you. And like I do this game with him. And then I started to think, how long has it been in the Mm -hmm. world of telephoning that we've ever had to say to somebody, it's for you? I mean, how many presidents ago has somebody oh, had to utter it's for you with reference to a telephone? There are there are people what listening to this podcast who at least have facial hair um, or maybe are like halfway through college who have never had to say it's for you and are actually confused right now as we're saying it's for you. They don't know what we're talking about. If if you have said or been the recipient of an it's for you 
Um, make sure that your blood work is up to date. <laughs> um, <laughs> make sure. Get, get, make sure you're getting enough fiber. Yeah, get your fiber on. Yeah. Have you considered a multivitamin that works for you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, get your How's one a day. Roller working. Like <laughs> <laughs> mean, ah. it just it just occurred to me in the moment, and and now as I think about it, like this whole the whole telephone game and playing it oh. with Nathan is stupid because like he's never going to have to answer a phone that rings in his life. He's never going to have to like literally hang up in the or, literal term hang up a phone yeah or pull a phone off of a hook to answer it like all of this like like no wonder he's like kind of going through the motions with this game like he can't so, yes sand yeah and yes, I, and yes. i don't blame him because like i i feel like that that matt damon aging meme as i'm playing this game and talking <laughs> about it with you right now anyway uh, let us let us uh, progress violently into the future, because we have some entertainment law news this week. Hey! You, touch me. you killed innocent people. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. Thank you, Mr. Asante. Some rather striking entertainment law news involving uh, a topic that I think is becoming just a weekly occurrence here on this program: AI. So. Uh, a few days ago, a federal judge, Elisa, held that fully AI generated a fully AI generated piece of visual art was not eligible for copyright protection. So on August 18th, D.C. federal judge Beryl A. Howell, there's a name we don't make anymore. Where, where are barrels? Stand up. B-E-R-Y-L. Beryl A. Howell held wow. that a piece of visual art, you know, who says it's for you when the phone rings? People named Beryl. <laughs> Yeah. Daryl A. Howell held that a piece of visual art created completely by an AI system developed by technologist Stephen Thaler could not receive copyright protection. So first off, I think it'd be interesting for the viewers and listeners to see the work in question. Like, what did the yeah, AI yeah, make? Yeah. Lauren, mm -hmm. do you have a picture of this? The uh, the AI generated work in question. There you go. That's a that's a cool little painting. That's certainly something I couldn't paint. What do you what do you think? Art critic Elisa Rockdark. <laughs> It's not for me. Really? It's not my particular sensibility, but art is subjective. Um, I'm I it's it's a I guess an attempt at a sort of pseudo impressionist style, I guess. <laughs> um I don't know. It's 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 weird because I wonder if I would have reacted at all any differently. If I didn't know that it was AI generated, I do admit that I do hold a little bit of bias, but also I it's it's not saying anything to me. I mean, it's a it's kind of the kind of art you might see above a queen size bed at a uh, moderately priced hotel. Yeah, there we go. It would fit great there, actually. the The tones are nice. The tones and the hues. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, now with the right kind of like purple and green bedspread for sure. To clarify, when, when we talk about sort of like the kind of like authorship and like full generation of this stuff, are, are we talking things where it's like type in a prompt and then hands off whatever the computer generates and then submitting that for copyright without any other human intervention? Well, ultimately, that's what this case came down to, which, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you, you are right on track with this. So 
in this particular case, basically this was, and even to the, uh, the copyright registrant, the human that tried to make this registration happen, even they admitted I had nothing to do with this work. I, you know, this was all oh. the AI. He even tried to list the AI system as the author of the copyright. That's and, interesting. Yeah, like he he was like full on. This was the machine. I, I am mm -hmm. I am but a humble servant, and the federal judge wasn't going for it. Uh, so if, if you have the quote there, Lauren, the in the ruling, Judge Howell said, "Quote: Human creativity is the sine qua non at the core of copyrightability." God, I love sine qua non in sine any piece non. of legal writing. Like, I mean, honestly, I I in every any final exam I ever took in law school, Elisa. If I didn't have at least one Latin phrase in there, I would go mm -hmm. back and fix it. I'd be like, you know, assuming for the sake of argument, mm, cross out, mm -hmm. assuming no. arguendo. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's that, that, that easily gets you from a B plus to an A minus. And yeah, sine qua non might be one of my favorites. So, yeah, human creativity is the sine qua non at the court of copyrightability, even as that human creativity is channeled through new tools or new media. So what the judge basically was saying and, and, and uh, is that, you know, technology plays a role in most works that are created, right? If you are taking a picture with a camera, a camera, a piece of technology is doing a lot of the work there. If you're recording an album on Pro Tools or Logic, there's a lot of tech involved. But if there is not a significant element of human creativity, the work cannot be copyrighted. So in this particular case where the where uh, Stephen Thaler, you know, readily admitted I had nothing to do with this, that piece of hotel art was all the AI. <laughs> uh, that's not going to uh, cut the mustard in terms of getting copyrightability. So uh, the ruling goes on to further say, quote, human involvement in and ultimate creative control over the work at issue was key to the conclusion that the new type of work fell within the bounds of copyright. Copyright has never stretched so far as to protect works mm. generated by new forms of technology absent any guiding human hand. Human authorship is a bedrock requirement of copyright. You might almost call it the sine qua non, if you will. Hey. Um, but uh, what I thought was interesting about this case, Elisa, is that the judge, Beryl, uh, was first to was quick to admit in this case, look, y'all. And she even kind of warns us, look, this was easy mode. Okay. Uh -huh. This was an easy case. Like this was not a toughie for judge Howell, but we need to get ready. Like we all need to prepare ourselves, the legal community, the artistic community and everybody else, because this is going to get real weird, real fast. So uh, there's another quote here that I think really just kind of hammers this point home quote, undoubtedly, we are approaching new frontiers in copyright as artists put AI in their toolbox to be used in the generation of new visual and other artistic works. The increased attenuation of human creativity from the actual generation of the final work will prompt challenging questions regarding how much human input is necessary to qualify the user of an AI system as an author of a generated work the scope of protection obtained over the image, how to assess the originality of AI-generated works where the systems may have been trained on pre-existing works. Wow, that part. Yeah, right? Uh, how copyright might be best be used to incentivize creative works involving AI and more. 
So yeah, this is going to get really scary for lawyers and artists really fast. This was an easy case, right? If AI did 100% of the work, no copyright. But most works that where AI is involved, there's going to be at least some guiding human hand. We do the stupid AI overlord tip of the week every week. And a lot of times there's a lot of humanity involved in that. I often have to write very long prompts to chat GPT to get the result that we want. Sometimes it's an iterative back and forth process. I tell chat GPT to do something. It poops the bed. I have to say, no, that wasn't good. Try it, do it this way. Change this around. Maybe make this longer, make this shorter. And through a little back and forth, we get the end result that we want. Or I might tell chat GPT to do something. It ain't great. I got to do a little bit of fine tuning and editing on the back end. And we get something ready for broadcast. Are any of those copyrightable? Uh, and I've only been practicing copyright law for my entire effing professional life. And I am scared about what these legal questions are. Because we know intuitively, right? It's not just the fact that technology is involved. Because almost all creative product today, technology is involved. Yeah, I remember but, an, an article citing like comparisons to a guitar player using an effects pedal to sort of affect a sound, but there it's not necessarily the pedal's fault. It's not the pedal that authored that sound necessarily. And, uh, but it's, yeah, it, you know, guitarists use pedals, photographers use Photoshop, musicians using pro tools. Um, and, and increasingly a lot of creators using AI, uh, a lot of artists make, you know, even even in significant, heavy human involvement situations, a lot of creators are using AI maybe to give them ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe the AI starts things off and gets the ball rolling and then the artist takes it the rest of the way. We're going to need to figure out what to do in those situations. And um, some of the other things that this uh, that the judge brought up that I think is equally scary, right, is. Um, what about when AI, which is often the case with AI, is creating work based on works that came before it? What That's do we do there? Thing, because the dam has already burst there. Yeah. Like none, this AI stuff isn't coming out of nowhere, right? It's not making up the stuff out of whole cloth. Much how humans create new works based on the things that came before them, AI is doing the same thing. They just have the entire compendium of artistic knowledge at its disposal and can bring it forth at any given time and amalgamate it together in ways we can't even possibly fathom. And so it's, it's wild. And th it makes me understand why like AI and the use of AI is a major sticking point in the SAG after and the WGA strikes. Cause they're seeing this legal stuff happening too. And they're scared. And within, I mean, I would say within the next 12 to 24 months, we're going to get the harder federal case, right? This was the easy one. In fact, I'm guessing if we were to ask this, this guy, Stephen Thaler, you were, you were doing a thing here, right? Like you wanted mm. to, you thought it'd be cute and you wanted to see what mm -hmm. happened. You, you know, you made the easiest yeah. possible case you could for this judge because it would be hilarious and you wanted to see what was going to happen, but they're not all going to be this easy. In fact, it's mm. never going to be this easy again. No, and and I'm interested in works of this type where people are going to start to see maybe their own works that had trained the AI in someone else's copyrighted material. 
um, and kind of getting that sort of fight started the minute that all of those start popping up and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I that like third of the shot, I recognize that from something I submitted to DeviantArt like 10 years ago. What? And that's already starting to happen. We've seen a few yeah. of those and people get understandably upset. Yeah, it's it's going to be a real briar patch. Uh, creative professionals, uh, brace yourselves and lawyers, uh, brace ourselves. It's going to be a, Ooh. I mean, there is at least a, a paper or two in this for me if I wasn't too busy playing uh, outdated telephone games with my one-year-old. <laughs> I all right, so I I do want to get to your career update, Elisa Rock Talk. This is why we have you on. People are waiting with bated breath to know what's going on in your career. Uh, real quick though, because I uh, you know speaking of things that we have to do uh, on this program, um, let's just quickly do AI Overlord Tip of the Week yes. here. Boy, the people who are listening to this only on radio or podcast are missing out on Elisa's dances for the imaging that we have around here. Um, a surprise, no, uh, no percussion for that. Just, uh, just you dancing. I'm just vibes. So here's what I was. So what I want to do for the AI Overlord tip of the week is instead of getting like a piece of advice from ChatGPT, mm-hmm. I wanted to get ChatGPT's thoughts on this fundamental legal question. You know, oh, because, I mean, they have right? a vested interest, I imagine. Yeah, Judge Howell said, you know, <laughs> admitted in the opinion, I don't know where the line is where how much AI involvement is too much to take something out of the realm of copyright protection. Yeah. And so I said, hey, ChatGPT, I, you know, here's a cut and paste of the court opinion. How would you answer that question? And so uh, I, I, I mean, it wrote this very long dissertation, of course, none of which is copyrightable, as we know. Oh. And... Or, or maybe, because maybe I gave it enough input. I don't know. We don't know. But I, I figured that there are a couple things that I think were interesting from ChatGPT's perspective that I could summarize here. So one of the things, it, it, you know, in what we were talking about, right, ChatGPT said that uh, in cases where there is simple AI input, for example, an artist provides a single word like sunset, and then the AI creates a digital image of a sunset, uh, in those cases where the human input is minimal, most likely that would not rise to the level of adequate human input uh, for creativity. But as we noted, ChatGPT thinks that in cases where there's detailed AI input, such as, quote, when an artist provides a detailed description, mood, color palette, and other specific instructions that guide the artwork's outcome, that level of significant human involvement could be a manifestation of the artist's vision and rise to a uh, uh, potential copyrightability and then it talked about the other example that uh, we spoke about earlier which is an iterative co- combinate collaboration where the mm. artist and ai go back and forth like the chat gpt generates something i yell at chat gpt because i said it didn't do a very good job and here's how to fix it and we go back and forth until we create some magic together perhaps that could be enough human input so um you know basically chat gpt doesn't know either is what we're getting at and uh, we're all in for a big big legal mess but hey, get ready to be booked and busy. That's right. Oh my god, yeah my my dance card will be uh, will be full for a while. Uh, that is until AI replaces me as a lawyer. But you know, in that sweet spot between now and then, oh yeah, we'll we'll have plenty of things to do. Elisa, speaking of things to do, you have been very very busy since we've last had you on, and so I think now would be a good time 
for us to have a little Elisa Rock Doc career update. What have you been up to recently? I know you last time we spoke, you were on your way to Gen Con, so that was cool. Yes, um, I did a Gen Con uh, that is the best four days in gaming. Um, one of my favorite things that I did was I took folks on a tour uh, all around the convention as part of IRL streams for Gen Con Online, which is basically our online version of Gen Con. So even if you couldn't make it to Indianapolis, we still brought you with us. And this was probably one of my coolest uh, things that I have maybe ever done in my entire life. Because when you take over downtown Indianapolis for the best four days in gaming... You take over all of downtown Indianapolis, up to and including Lucas Oil Stadium, home of the Whoa. Indianapolis Colts. So for the for the folks on live stream who are seeing this, we are looking at a the Twitch stream of Elisa there, and she is now tell us where you're walking into. Am, oh my I god. I'm literally walking pretty much onto the field of Lucas Oil Stadium, football field home of the Indianapolis Colts, where they have covered up a significant amount of the field, all of it. Um, and there are tables with plastic tablecloths everywhere waiting for all manner of nerds to play all manner of tabletop games. Um, uh, just past the 50-yard line, there was a huge game library where you could leave your badges collateral, grab any game out of the library and they would find you a table and you could play. They were even renting out some of the suites. Like if you wanted to, you could get a whole football stadium suite to play Dungeons and Dragons. Like the nerds legit took over an entire football stadium. It was awesome. That is rad. Look, yep. I've never been to Gen Con before, and up until I'm looking at this video right now, I've never seen what it looked like on the inside. I don't know why, when I close my eyes and imagine Gen Con, I imagined a Marriott Convention Center. You know, like oh, a no. like a, a couple rooms rented out at the Ramada. No. And I am so wrong. This is this is a incredible. Like you you have a whole football stadium rented out. You're pointing. Yep. I see a little little bit of turf there from Lucas yep. Oil Stadium. And I the nerds took it over. <laughs> I touched grass. I was so excited to touch the turf. It was so fun. Um, yeah, we took over. It's the whole convention center, the stadium, and basically every hotel in like a two-mile radius has all manner of events, shows, performances, live plays. You just play games. There are people that just bring their entire hall of board games and play. There was a bachelor party. Highly recommend, by the way. There was a bachelor party there that was like, I just decided to have my bachelor party at Gen Con. So it's like play mad board games for four days with like 70,000 of your closest nerdy friends. That sounds like a great time. There's a puppetry program. The Gen Con has everything. Like you don't even have to be like the biggest sort of like risk Warhammer 40K D&D super hardcore person. Like there were legit people like, throwing down on some uno and just getting really into it so this 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 place is for you i i love gen con so much it is it is a vibe and a half so why were you making this live stream was this just something like this your work were you working with an organization on this did you just because it looks really well shot so i assume there oh. was like some kind of operation here oh i was literally working for gen con this is this is what we do for gen con uh gen con tv gen con online 
I work for the con. I got an all access badge and everything. Um, so they they hired a whole crew of hosts to not only do these IRL shows where we kind of take you around the convention center, but I also had the opportunity to um, basically sponsors can rent uh, space in our studio to show off some of their latest game announcements. So I got the chance to show off some of those things live, um, some cool unannounced games and go through some demos and um, help people show off their babies, um, which is another one of my favorite things to do as a host. Um, but really just like being in the thick of this convention and being able to show it off to people at home. Cause even though, yes, there were 70,000 people there, not everybody can come to a convention like this. And, you know, space is super limited and it is a, it is a death match to get tickets and hotels and everything. Um, so especially in a kind of quote unquote, cause we're not, but like quote unquote post pandemic world, it's nice to see that we can keep online events like this live so that we can share conventions with people that may not otherwise have access. I love that. I, I love that you were able to, through the hosting and through this live streaming, you could kind of bring this thing to even more people. I love that you basically got to be the Huel Hauser of Gen Con for a few days. <laughs> oh, if, oh, Billy on the street action. It was Yeah, great. <laughs> super cool. And, uh, you know, the young, the same young people who uh, don't know what I'm talking about when I say it's for you with reference to a telephone are now Googling who the hell Huel Hauser is, but that's fine. Um, the, you know, a gig like this where you are working with a, a con to kind of be their online live streaming presence to bring that con to more people to be its online host. How does one go about getting a gig like this? Oh gosh. Well, first, you know, you have to have like one of the other guys that has been with you at 3am at an IHOP work for the convention. <laughs> um, so, so. I mean, this is this is why it's important to always work with your friends um, and make sure you are keeping tabs on what it is that your friends are doing um, and make sure that, you know, you keep those connections alive because you never know when your best friend of 20 years might be working at a convention and they might be like, I need somebody I can trust with a microphone. Who do I know? There you go. Um, then, hey, I'm your gal. Um, but really, it's about putting putting yourself out there in in situations that you want to be in. Um, so, kind of doing doing the kinds of work that you want to eventually do. So only only put stuff on your portfolio that you want to do someday. So one of the things that I did leading up to this was I did I've done a lot more panel work, a lot more hosting gigs, a lot more panel moderation type stuff and interviewing that. Oh, see. Oh, and by the way, this is this is the bachelor party. They all had matching rompers <laughs> as, as we're still watching this stream. I, I had to oh. stop them because I'm like, you guys are bringing the heat fashion wise to Gen Con. Um, but yeah, it's it's really a matter of like being being ready when the call comes. Because depending on where I was mental health wise, I may not have felt like ready to do this kind of thing. Fly to a convention that I've never been to before for four days to show people this thing that I've never been to and keep up energy for two to three hours and be able to yes and and interview people. Um, there may have been times where I might not have had the confidence to be able to say yes to that. Um, so it's like always stay ready. <laughs> yeah. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready, you know? 
uh, because you never know when someone that you know you you love and adore might be like i thought of you for this thing and you were the first person i thought of can you do this can you do me a solid um so be be ready to say yes to cool things because you never know when you're going to touch grass at the 50 yard line at a football stadium oh gosh and obviously i'm not hearing any words of this so i can only speak to what i'm seeing visually but you just look so damn natural in front of the camera like you're just talking to a buddy like just you're the, the it's flowing well you seem like you're really taking like, it's the perfect combination of like looking out towards everything else and acknowledging the world around you but you peek back in at the camera so you're still talking to us just such a good fit and yeah. and while you did identify that you know chief among the reasons why you got this opportunity is because you know you knew somebody who was working in this organization but you know you you know these opportunities don't come along unless you have that plus you've done the things prepared for that so this was years in the making of working with cons of being a live streamer of being you know a extremely online individual for as long yes. as you are of being integrated into this gaming board game community and it all just came together into this really terrific gig for you so we're all really thrilled for you congrats you also told us that in the last month you've been you've doing a little extra VO work, or was I not supposed to talk about that? No, I mean, no, what's yeah, the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 gonna see how I'm 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 going to like d divulge a couple of things of like you know what I did, but not who for. Um, it's funny how much can change in a week. If you would have asked me the career update last week, I would have been like, yeah, well, yeah, we would have had the Gen Con conversation. That would have been that. And then Thursday. It goes from, hey, hold these two dates for this audition that you recorded three weeks ago to, oh, you booked it to, oh, hey, we just got a call from this company that finally, after years of auditioning for them, they finally want to bring you in and like have you on their basically call list um, of folks that they can just bring in um, to, to do some things. And I went from being on that list to literally doing a session like five hours ago. Um, in the space of like 48 hours. Whoa. Um, yeah, yeah. So I was able so to this do, is hot off the presses. Literally hot off the presses. I was actually like, ooh, I hope that traffic will let me make this podcast tonight. <laughs> um, because I did it. So what I did was um, um, uh, literally yesterday I did um, like a, an industrial commercial for a sort of like business to business software marketing commercial thing. Um, so did that from my studio at home that you see right there. Um, so did that yesterday. Um, thank goodness the cat was all behaved. And then today I went to a studio, um, with a bunch of other people to record what is known as Walla. Um, and that's basically where you have a bunch of people in a room together doing things like crowd noises or any kind of milling about. If there are people milling about, you need the sound in of like a cartoon. About. Yeah, yeah. In um in, in any kind of sort of like animated type okay. series. Um and so it was my first time at that studio and it was my first time doing Walla work. And it's basically I was in a room with three other people and they were like, Okay, you're shopping. Um <laughs> and this is how long the scene is. This is how long you have to basically match the picture. Um, and then it was any manner of improvisation of, you know, here you hear the doot, doot, doot. Oh, wow. Oh, those look so yummy. Oh, my goodness. Which one are you going to try? Oh, vanilla is my favorite. You know, so like a bunch of <laughs> folks doing that. Um, <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I feel like the skill set for Walla work 
<laughs> and the skill set to be an NPC. Uh, well, tons of overlap. A significant amount of overlap. <laughs> especially, <laughs> especially if like the scene takes place at an ice cream shop. Yep. <laughs> ice cream so delicious. <laughs> yum, yum. So delicious. Oh. Yeah. You, you read my mind because I was just about to ask if you'd be willing to give us like 10 seconds of Walla work so we could hear what this yeah. sounds like, but you beat us to it. Yeah. It basically sounds like being an NPC. Um, yeah, exactly. But you nailed it. You you, brought, you, you made us feel yeah, like we well, were that, there. Yeah, that was that was a really fun experience. And I hope they have me back. That was really cool. Oh, sure. congratulations was- all around. Like, I know the viewers and listeners are smiling. We, we, we're all rooting for you. We love it when you get these opportunities. And Boy, you had yourself a, a pretty terrific uh, couple weeks there, and a and in, in particularly terrific twenty four hours. I am leaving immediately after this to sleep for probably the rest of the week. Well, yeah. I'm glad <laughs> that we got you right before you powered down for what I imagine is an extended period. Uh, Lauren, producer Lauren, programming question: Are are we ready for the guest? Do we need to vamp? Uh, obviously, Elisa Rockdoc can filibuster with the best of them. That's why we have her here. But like. How are we doing? Maybe um, I, I see uh, producer Lauren's giving us like the tentative. I think we kind of have it thumbs up. That's good enough for me. Um, you know what? Let's let's ride. Let's take a quick break. Um, we'll we'll hear from whatever we hear from on the break, and then we'll come on back and uh, talk with our guest Mickey Agrawal, musician and entrepreneur. Excited to be chatting with her. Don't go anywhere. Keep checking out Break the Business. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm, RKPA, does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTV Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. Ryan Corelli here with co-host Elisa Rockdock, the heavily employed Elisa Rockdock. You can check us out on just so damn many live streaming and podcasting platforms. Don't make me name them all. You know what they are. You guys are more tech savvy than I am. 
Go find us there. You can also find us at Sirius XM 145. Much love to Slam Radio for giving us a Slam Radio or a satellite radio home. Well, I guess also a Slam Radio home, too, but that doesn't make much sense. Um, they, wherever you're checking us out, we're, we're so, so glad that you are. And uh, we appreciate your input. I know we talked, you heard about it in the commercial, but we think this show is at its best when we're getting input from you, the viewer and listener. So if you have a question that you want us to answer on the air, if there's a topic you want us to discuss, break the business at gmail.com is where you reach out to us. Um, the show is at its best when we're directly responding to all of you. So again, break the business at gmail.com. Uh, we appreciate your input. Uh, Elisa rock doc, uh, mm. joining us. How, how are you? How tired are you? You said you are, about to power down, you are super out of it because you've just been doing back to back to back to back projects. Like, are you are you seriously dragging right now? Oh, I am fully peopled out, and I am running on fumes. <laughs> uh, well, stay with us for for this interview because you spoke earlier about the importance of networking and yes. and how you got this opportunity because you're networking. I got a pretty good networking opportunity here for you, Elisa. Ooh, There's somebody okay. you're going to want. Uh, in your uh, aforementioned Rolodex, because I haven't had enough dated references today, I had to throw a Rolodex in there along with <laughs> Hulehauser and telephones that are for you. Our guest this week is a celebrated entrepreneur who has been recognized as one of Fast Company's most creative people and is one of Inc. Magazine's most impressive women entrepreneurs. Our guest has also recently released her debut album, It All Exists, under the moniker Soul Gaze, which has been released as both a dance album and an acoustic album. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting www.mickeyagrawal.com. We are happy to welcome Mickey Agrawal on to Break the Business. Hi there. Hi. How are you? Uh, doing hey, are you? so well. Compliments to your haberdasher. That is a fabulous, That's fabulous great. piece of headwear you have. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, hats turns out are really good shade structures for your skin <laughs> no and also they're an accessory that i feel like has now come back in full effect but i've been kind of i feel like when i would go to a conferences i'd be the only one wearing a hat like like literally in a sea of people and it was always like a really great kind of conversation start nice hat what's your name where are you from so it's it's just always been a thing i just love hats I think that's a pretty good networking tip right out the gate, Elisa Rock Doc. You're always going to conventions and stuff. Mm -hmm. You throw on a hat. That sounds like a great conversation starter, especially one as like terrific as that's Mickey's a, there. That's a pretty solid hat. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of hat. That's a good hat. I, I'm not sure what the volume of that hat is, but could we say 10 gallon? I mean, many gallons. <laughs> yeah, probably. Like there's there's a lot of hat there, and I'm enjoying every bit of it. Uh, this is one of the more intriguing interviews that I, I think we've done in a while, uh, Mickey, because you know you came to you know you've been uh, a acclaimed entrepreneur for a long time, and certainly you could be on a great deal of podcasts, including this one, just talking about what you've done in entrepreneurship. That's an interview within itself. But the reason why you're here on this particular program, which celebrates both entrepreneurship and artistry and music, is you have really kind of come into this new journey as a musician. You introduce, you uh, put out this debut album under your moniker, Soul Gaze, called It All Exists, a double album, which I think is pretty mm -hmm. cool and ambitious. Wow. And, you know, seeing you kind of transition into this new career uh, from an entrepreneur is pretty interesting. And so I'm curious, 
are the skill sets of being an entrepreneur, mm. are they transferable into the creative product or is this completely new for you? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, so stoked to be here with you guys. And this is like, it's just so wild to be talking about music as the thing that I'm talking about because I always talk about my businesses, entrepreneurship and all of those things. And so it's just, it's just a wild, a wild moment. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really transferable skill set. Creativity is creativity is creativity, right? So like, you know, it, it being innovative and creative in entrepreneurship definitely translates in music and, you know, coming up with an idea and translating it to a produced album is the similar thing as creating an, you know, an idea and a product and then really seeing it through to launch and execution um, is a similar thing. And I think, you know, the best, I think the best musicians who achieve a lot of success also are, are pretty robust entrepreneurs as well. They really understand how to like, you know, print things quickly, how to get things out the door and um, how to package things well. And um, not that that's really like what my music was about at all, but there's a, there's from a, from a lens of like, oh, you just put out this album. That's so like, you know, like my friends were just like, uh, okay. Um, I think it's, it, I think for me, it was really, it, it, it's not a bit, I'm not treating this as a business. Like for me, it's really hymns from my heart that kind of came through me during my uncoupling of my 11 year marriage. And um, I just wrote 17 songs in this during this sort of breakup period. And it was really around the wild melange of love and like all the different textures of of love that exist. And it's like, you know, when you go through 11 year marriage and you, you kind of uncouple people are like, oh, are you OK? Or like versus like, wow, we had an amazing chapter together. We crushed it so many different ways. There are parts that we kind of ended up going this way instead of this way. And that's, you know, the ultimately the the reason why we decided not to stay together. But, you know, truly we had a successful marriage for the 11 years that we had. Maybe the last year and a half were the most challenging. Um, but I don't call it a failure. I also experienced anger and frustration and sadness and gratitude and excitement mm -hmm. and joy, all the feelings that one goes through from the realm of love. And I each song in this album represents a moment in time of like yearning, like the deepest yearning to like have him just do less and be more, like stop doing, mm -hmm. just be with me, like, you know, or, you know, or the song Queen was was really about how I, I you know, the, the, the deep desire of all of my feelings being welcome, welcomed in, you know, one of the lines is my anger is as sacred as my joy, you know? Mm -hmm. And we welcome in all of our feelings and you know like the first song antarctica is really the, the the song that like broke through my freedom from like wait a minute like i feel an opening i feel like this this freedom in the air and like i just feel this remarkable like energy coming through me that just means that like i'm going in the right direction like coming out of this relationship even if it meant so much to me and even if he still means so much to me as my baby daddy and he lives eight minutes from me, we talk multiple times every day about our kid and about just what we're up to. And, um, and so we're still deep allies, but you know, the, 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 you know, the album really is kind of, I call it a, a, a dance opera of sorts where it kind of takes you through the entire journey of, of kind of this, this process of like the yearning, the desire, the anger, the sadness, the frustration, the trying again, maybe we should just like, it, let's try it again like life mm -hmm. comes and goes like a fart in the wind that's what that's the song fart in the wind which is like 
okay, let's just try again. Let's just do one last like mm -hmm. Hail Mary and see if this works. And then the very last song is called Changed. And you know, the, the, the refrain is I've changed, you've changed and it's okay. Like mm -hmm. we've changed and it's okay. Like change is inevitable, it's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with going our separate ways. We had an incredible chapter together and it's okay. And so, um, yeah, it just like, at first I just wrote it. Cause I was like, I needed to move this energy in a mm -hmm. new way. And I think like it just came out in song. And, and then I brought in my incredible talented friend, Happy as my, uh, you know, sort of bandmate singing partner. You know, I did the spoken word um, and then she did all the beautiful lyrical singing. And then we brought in our incredible friend, Gene Navarro Jr., fourth generation um, musician and producer. And um, he's right. One of Ryex's producers. He's amazing. And, um, and just the three of us just, you know, they flew to Costa Rica first. We, wrote, we, we, we produced our first four songs. Then they came to Austin here in my casita right in their room. And we made the, the next four. And then, you know, boom, we, we put it out a couple months later. And here we are. So it just kind of all happened pretty quickly. But I always, I'm always in the camp of like, don't dilly dally. Like when inspiration hits, just put it out. And, you know, the reason why I decided to actually put it out was because when I sent it to tons of friends, they were just like, this is so, it's like touching me to my mm. soul in ways that like, it feels like it completed a process in my uncoupling, in my breakup, in my challenges, in my yearnings, my desires, my wantings, like in, in relationship in such a raw way. Like it really did something for me, completed something inside of me. And they were just like super encouraging to like, just put it on Spotify. Like anyone can do it. So, so that's, so I did that. And so the the impulse and the ability, the desire to create music, is this something that you always knew you had from a very young age or did this just, this, did this just sort of present itself now uh, mm. after you got through this entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial ventures in your life and, and, you know, with the, with the, uh, with what's been going on with your marriage, like did, did, did this all just appear then or did you always know, oh, I could make music, I could be a musician? Well, I, you know, I was like in a musical when I was 10 years old and I always was like in the musical world. I'm half Japanese, half Indian. So I grew up with wait, wait, we, we need to know which musical. This is very, very important. Yeah. You got a couple theater kids here. Yeah. Well, you definitely don't know this one. It's a very obscure one. It's called How to Eat Like a Child. Hmm. You know, I actually saw that on Broadway last summer. Um, Bernadette Peters was amazing in it. Just, just, just <laughs> Yeah, no, there's, it's, it's really about like, it's just about the, the, the wildness of being a child. How do you like mm. a child? It's just, a, it's an amazing musical that I just sort of, you know, and I, I was really into music, but I, I was never a singer, but always a writer, like a creative, mm -hmm. a writer, a creative. And so, you know, this, I, I DJed for the last 10 years. I've been DJing at Burning Man every year. My sister started a, a, an incredible music events company called Daybreaker, which is an early morning dance movement before work starts. You can check out daybreaker.com. It's so freaking epic. That sounds cool. Um, and there's like 500 people around the world that wake up and dance every month. It's just insane, you know, and um, and sober. And it's just in the morning before work starts. It's just the wildest thing. And it's a true movement. And so my sister and I were deep, we've deep, we've DJed, you know, Daybreakers over the last over the last ten years, and we've also, you know, DJed at Burning Man, different kind of little events. Again, very under the radar. We don't have any like real, you know, we have a kind of a kind of a lame SoundCloud page that no one knows about. But like we've just now, you know, just been a side hobby in this music as well, like writing this, you know, the, the you know the album. It it all exists was really just kind of 
like a creative, like just creative expression that just wanted to come out. I've written two books. You know, again, I started the company Think. I don't know if you've heard of the period proof under a company and then the bidet company Tushy, which if you don't have one, it'll change your life. Um, go to hellotushy.com. We just launched, we just launched a, our new website, which I'm super proud of. Church. Um, Right, it's like it's like they, like you are a savage if you use dry paper to wipe your ass. It doesn't make any sense. You're killing. I can't people. travel the same way anymore. It's horrible. Yeah, I so, missed it. Well, I, I know we, we actually have a travel sushi as well. It's like for twenty nine bucks. You can actually, literally, I, a little water bottle that you squeeze your. Th this is an insanely gross metaphor, but I think it's quite apt. Uh, somebody once described. <laughs> I once heard it described as wiping yourself with dry toilet paper as trying to get peanut butter out of shag carpet. Exactly. And, <laughs> and ever since then, I'm like, yep, no more yep. dry toilet paper. That makes sense. No, but even wet wipes, wet wipes actually cause anal fissures, which- Oh, no. Yeah, so if you're using wipes, it actually over time strips away the natural oils Ooh. creating these fissures, these tiny lacerations, and there's anal fissure operations have gone way up because- Ooh of the wet wipe consumption and also major cities like New York city are trying to ban wet wipes because they clog the city's drains. Yep. They fatbergs are horrible for the environment and tushy like a bidet. It literally is the most game changing thing you can do both from a cleanliness of feeling confident. And also we've saved millions of millions of trees from getting flushed down the toilet. Um, it's just a no brainer. You save so much money, thousands of dollars in your lifetime over toilet paper that you just save that money by using a bidet once. You know, our product is $99. It's so, it's just a no brainer. Anyways. <laughs> I don't think we've covered a wider scope of topics in an interview in eight years of doing this podcast <laughs> than what we've done just in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, I digress. I'm very passionate about it. I'm, you know, I'm very clearly. And so, you know, we've actually written, we've actually written a booty and duty um, uh, mixtape for Tushy. But if you go to uh, Spotify, if you go to Spotify and type in booty and duty mixtape by Tushy, it's like, it's like a full album as well on just the most ridiculous, hilarious shit you've ever heard. <laughs> No. Yeah, we, I've been always into music. So. At least I'm gonna need you to ask the next yeah. question while I compose myself. <laughs> to answer the question, yeah, I've I've been into music for a long time. <laughs> it's like I'm not even I'm not even gonna get on the tangent. One of one of the things that I that I love as um I'm I'm a musician. I'm writing music myself. Um, the and I'm sort of like kind of going through like genre phases and like what I want things to sound like. I was intrigued by the fact that you it's it's a double album that's out for It All Exists that's dance, but also acoustic. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering which came first um, and sort of how did you arrange, you know, sort of one into the other? or How, how was that process? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that I was because like, you know, for me, I was always like, oh, these songs could be it just depends on where you are in your heart and where you are in your like emotional state. And I was like, sometimes like I want to put a hoodie on and just like dance and just like get just lost in my own dance, which is why I love dancing. And then I also like just sitting and listening to the words from a singer songwriter, just like just really crying, like or whatever. <laughs> Not just crying, but like joyful or whatever, just feeling and hearing the words and reading the lyrics. Like there's something about the acoustic. So I've always, always loved both genres. And I was like, the first, the first that came was the acoustic. And then, um, and then we kind of took some of the refrains and um, with the help of Gina and Happy's magic, 
really turned them into. And I always, I want to, I wanted to sing and do or do something on the albums myself. So I'm like, well, I'm not really a singer, but I'm, a, I can do the spoken word, and I can, you know, like add the, you know, like a kind of a different vibe to it. And so, you know, I, I yeah, it was more of like a creative choice to like, I want to like test my own fears and limits and put my vo actual voice in it. Actually, like last month, I took my first like five singing lessons and I started bawling before my first singing lesson because I was just like, it's such a scary thing to like really put yourself out like that. If, if you know, if it, there, there's like, there's some trauma sometimes attached to your mm -hmm. throat chakra in a lot of ways. And so it, it was a really, really powerful way for me to really free my voice in a totally, totally different way that I've, I've never done before. Like I've been able to do that through like creating disruptive companies or like writing, you know, books or whatever, but like never from a lens of, singing i haven't actually sung yet although in the acoustic album the very last bonus track i'm like in my costa rica like house just tapping on my pillow and singing it in my phone so it's like a very that's me singing and I, I'm, I'm quite embarrassed about it but but um but you know i'm like again the whole point is like hey we only have one life like just like let's let things come through and there's no shame it's all love and it's you know just keep moving so yeah, it was a fun, it was a really fun, but but then the dance came second and it was really like, I wanted bouncy music. I wanted, you know, really kind of long tails with guitar riffs that really go on. Mm -hmm. It feels very, very positive, but driving forward, like, you know, so they all, they all have their own, their own, yeah, their own vibe. I want to ask you this, and I want you to resist the impulse to give the diplomatic, I love my children all equally answer. Uh. If I well, had to like, of, and speaking of, I do have to put my son to bed shortly. Just well, you know. no, got it. Well, <laughs> um, well, we, we got about five minutes before we uh, we lose radio anyway, so I think we can nail this. Uh, right. Your son needs to get to bed. My son needs to get bed. At least the rock doc needs to get to bed. So I'm with you. But yeah. if we had to like really get you to give one answer, okay? Yeah. What do, you know? I'm genuinely curious. What do you find most enjoyable? Building businesses, writing books, because you do a lot of that, or making music? Ooh. Wow. I mean, they're so similar yet so different, right? That's like they're all creative, and yet the execution of them are are, are totally different. Um, obviously, the music is the most new. So, like, I just bought a little house in in, in Austin town. Like, I have my lake house here where I'm living, but then I also bought. Um, actually the guitarist for the band Explosions in the Sky. So, and, and so I bought his house that has a music studio in the back with 25 years of music in the walls. Oh. And so I'm, gonna, I'm building a studio, like a really Austin, 25 year old Austin studio that's just so vintage and like, and I'm gonna turn it into like a place where we can just create. So there's, um, where we're all gonna you know, bring my friends in late night, like just making music hang sessions and just like kind of bringing back that old like Brooklyn feel music days, you know, and Austin feel music days. Um, and so I'm really, really into continuing to free my voice in all the different ways and making music and finding new lyrical patterns. I wanna like get into rap. Like I think I, I think I can be a rap, I don't know, like just like try and not, and again, not, this is not to like become an artist in that way. It's just putting out art, you know, like I'm going to Burning Man, on Saturday, uh, which is like the big giant music festival in the desert, desert of Nevada, and one of the things I love about it is one of the one of the one of the principles is decommodification, which mm. is there's no no one puts their names on like the beautiful artwork that people do. They're just putting art out for the sake of art. 
It's not to build a business or start a thing. Like, you know, I feel like I've grinded enough in my businesses to be business, you know, to, to do that as my business. The art form of music is more of like true art form, just to put out music for the sake of music. You know. Wow. I, I, I dig that. And you know, that was a little bit of a diplomatic answer, but we'll allow it because it actually was quite uh, stirring and it gave us a lot of great info. Well, diplomatic, wait, wait, sorry, sorry, what was the actual question? <laughs> which, which of the three things do you, do you find most enjoyable? Building okay, businesses, right. writing books, or making so music? I, I enjoy the building, the building of business piece because of like the game of Tetris of like figuring it out and launching something and like the, you know, the address, the kind of like the, just the rush of figuring things out and like that, that, you know, and I'm, and I'm pretty good at it. And so like, it's, it's fun to do something that, that you excel at, you know? So I, and I've spent 20 years like really building that muscle. So I really love the, 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 the business building, building companies. Um, writing is I do writing. I write, I, I mean, I write my journal like almost every day. So like, I love writing. I've, I've written two books. I have a third one that I'm working on right now. And, you know, so like they're all different. So like, yeah, maybe it is diplomatic. Like I'm really enjoying the meeting of music right now because it's so new, but it's not, it's not a business for me. Mm. It's truly for the art form. But it is still exciting to see you bring an entrepreneur's mind and a creator's <laughs> spirit to this musical project. Uh, if you want to follow our guest, Mickey Agrawal, on her journey, check her out at MickeyAgrawal.com. That's M-I-K-I, Agrawal.com. You can check out her debut album, It All Exists, under the moniker Soul Gaze. Mickey, before we let you go and uh, yeah. get, you know, so you can get your kid to bed and everybody else who needs to get to bed can get to bed, we got one last question for you. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Yeah, I think, you know, if you have, if you have that spark of an idea, like just, just put those running shoes on, walk out that door. Like, you know, the 99% of going to the gym is putting your running shoes on and walking out that door. And I think like when you have an inkling of an idea of the music then just use that momentum to finish it, print it, make it happen and, and don't stop until it's out. Like, I think it's, there's such a, you know, like, oh, there's this, and I get distracted with that, and I get distracted with this, and I get distracted, just like, get it done. You know, I call it, I, you know, I talk, Instagram is where you can also message me, just at Nikki Agrawal. But, um, you know, I talk about one of my, one of my reels I made, just about like, you know, someone asked me like, like, what is the secret to like making so much shit? And my answer is no dilly-dallying. Mm -hmm. Like, don't dilly-dally, just like get it done. And there's like nothing but you stopping you from making it happen. So. Just like don't dilly dally. Like if you have an idea, get after it. Like especially in music, that's such an inspirational thing where you have to like, like otherwise it just becomes another thing in your notes page that you just forget about, you know. So just just keep like keep going until it's done and printed, you know. So print. <laughs> this yeah. was an absolute pleasure, Mickey. Thank you both for the excellent chat and the excellent hat this week. Um, <laughs> And uh, all the best in everything you're doing. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you so much, both of you. Have a beautiful night with your children and putting yourselves to bed. Yeah. Okay. My God. <laughs> all right. Take care. So, Elisa, before we go, just a, a quick note on what she, you know, kind of what she was talking about there, which I think is really interesting, right? Is it something, and it's something I see a lot in entrepreneurs, whether it's the ones I represent in my legal practice or just the ones that I come across. And I'm sure you've seen this when you run into entrepreneurs too. And it's sort of a useful skill for creative professionals to have. The, as you can tell from her stories, the only thing 
that helps decide whether she does something is whether it excites her, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it is, I'm going to start a new company or I'm going to try rapping. She doesn't think about how she's going to do it. She doesn't think about what all the steps are. If she's excited about it, she says, let's go, let's make it. And she's confident in herself that she'll figure out the steps as she goes. She'll make it happen, but she never lets the how get mm -hmm. in the way of a really good what and why. And that is a great thing for entrepreneurs to have. And it's a great thing for creators to have too. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. Um, I think it's, I think a lot of the, we can very much get into a trap of, moving goalposts constantly like well when i have the right gear when i have some time to plan the structure of this show that i want to put on or you know let me plan five youtube videos you know let me plan a series before even starting one just go yeah. and figure it out and and it's also like one of the things that i also hear about game development it's learning how to fail faster and i and mm -hmm. i think entrepreneurship is also sort of a similar thing it's just get get things out turn off your inner critic um and and eventually you'll you'll get to things that you maybe feel a little bit happy about <laughs> yeah well because and i also think it's you know a a sad reality of both entrepreneurship and creativity that we don't want to admit but is true is there's a lot of luck involved mm -hmm. you know you know there are some really highly skilled projects and companies and creative projects that don't make it. And there's some ones that we're not sure why they made it that do make it because there is an element of luck. And how do you get element of luck on your side? More at bats. Yep. <laughs> you know, put out more things, do more things. And that you increases the probability of one of those things, uh, you know, hitting for you. And entrepreneurs know that, which is why most entrepreneurs I know aren't just doing the one thing, right? They have a lot of different irons in the fire and as a creator, you know, that's a good kind of spirit to acknowledge as well. Yeah. Uh, same our, attitude that I have with paintball, accuracy by volume. <laughs> we love our volume shooters around here. Our thanks to you, Elisa Rockdock. Our thanks to our guest, uh, Mickey Agrawal. And our thanks, as always, to producer Lauren. And our thanks, as always, to you viewers and listeners for checking out Break the Business. We will see you next week.